You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners. Are you ready to put into practice the things that you've heard about on this podcast? I'm talking about going out there and getting out of your comfort zone, expanding your network, your worldviews, expanding your horizons, maybe doing things for the first time like practicing yoga, like climbing a volcano, like going surfing, like not doing any of that and actually taking some time for yourself for once. Look, I'm here to tell you about Under 30 Experiences, the travel company for young people for ages 21 to 35, which I'm the co-founder of. I would love to see you someplace awesome in the world. I'm talking about Bali, Indonesia. I'm talking about Peru and Machu Picchu, the rainforest of Costa Rica, the beaches of Nicaragua, snorkeling in Belize with sharks. I'm talking about experiencing the culture of Mexico and Tulum. How about a volcano in Iceland? How about the beautiful green emerald isle of Ireland? Maybe going up to Scotland with us to experience massive waterfalls. Come to Paris. Hang out at the state we have rented. Look, I don't need to sell you on this stuff. The trips are amazing. I'm on my way to France. Then I'm going to Colombia. Later, I will be in Peru and Costa Rica. Come hang out under30experiences.com. Peace out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different podcast. I am your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are here with Robert James Collier from Practical Idealist. He has an awesome blog full of practical ideas to achieve worthy ideals, including traveling the world while working full-time, and he is the founder of Entrepreneur Dinner, and he is on a mission to flip traditional networking on its head He's been down here in Costa Rica where you're currently getting a massive uh, rainstorm down here in, in green season, as we like to call it. So if you hear soothing effects in the background, that's what that is all about. Uh, we're going to cover a lot of different stuff. Hopefully, we'll talk a little bit about meditation, intermittent fasting, as, as actually this podcast came about because Robert had posted something on Facebook uh, about his own fasting practices, and we started chatting. We said, well, let's just continue the conversation and podcast. So, Robert, what's going on? Not much, my man. Um, It's been about a year since I saw you last in Costa Rica, and the weather was much like it sounds like it is right now with a ton of rain, but that was an awesome time that I had with you guys down there. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool when it rains. I I really enjoy it, and uh, especially the type of, you know, we do some of these custom groups that you were part of, part of Daniel De Piazza's uh, mastermind, who was our previous guest on the podcast. I, I chatted with him about, uh, well, I guess that was last week now, and um, but yeah, especially when. It's great to be down here when it does rain because hey, you get you know you get the ideas flowing. You're inside. Uh, there's not a lot to do. I mean, Costa Rica is beautiful when it when it rains um, and all the stuff that you want to do, like whatever it is that you want to do, it's still fun during the rain. But if you're in a mastermind group, it's a good it's a good place for it when it rains. You know, so we we had a good time under that uh, that little cabana when it was just. Yeah. Pissing down buckets of rain, and we were yeah. we just sat there at the dinner table, and uh, 
yeah, relaxed, had dinner, had a couple beers, and, and shot ideas around. That was pretty fun. That was such an awesome time, man, because we had a group of, I think it was six entrepreneurs there, and we literally just sat in that rectangular table and went around the table one by one, and each person talked about what they were struggling with at the time, and then us as the entrepreneurs, we basically chimed in and tried to help them to solve that pain point, and everybody had their own perspective. Everybody added value. And there was a lot of really interesting insights that came about that. I know for me, it was like, that just juices me up, man. Like just that opportunity to kind of give insight to somebody else and help them with their pain point. But then your ideas start to feel like your own, like you're trying to help somebody else with their business, but then you love that idea of like helping them out and you love your idea and you just start like building upon it even more. And, um, there was definitely some really interesting and potentially successful ideas that were flowing around. Plus the vibes were just really cool with the raining and just sitting around a group like that. No, I, I, absolutely. And, uh, that started to happen to me actually. So we're recording right now on a Friday afternoon and, uh, where are you in Dallas? Yeah, Dallas, Texas. Oh, okay. So you're in Dallas and I'm, I'm here in Costa Rica and, uh, yeah, you started telling me about your your entrepreneur dinner, and yeah, I got the ideas flowing again because I've had uh, I've had a long week. I'm not afraid to to admit, and just being able to sit with another like-minded person, even if it is here on Skype, um, just being able to to get the ideas flowing, to get that positive energy around why something might work why something might not work, give a little feedback, uh, catch up with some friends. I mean, that's, I, I guess this is a good segue into what you're doing with, with the Entrepreneur Dinner, is that right? Yeah, man, so Entrepreneur's Dinner is, is fucking awesome. Um, essentially what it is, is I host dinners for entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, freelancers, models, artists, creatives, etc. And each person has the opportunity to say what their business is, what their biggest challenge or hurdle in business is, and then most importantly, how they can help other people. So like you said, it's we're flipping the traditional networking model on its head because often when you come to those networking events, it feels super sleazy. Like it feels like someone's trying to sell you or like can't wait to like flip out their business card to you know, to give it, it's just like really transactional. We're doing the complete opposite of that. I do the dinners at private homes. Um, so rent out a home on Airbnb and there's these nice homes. So they're like mansions or just really nice homes. The last one we did in downtown Dallas was at a friend of mine who's a real estate developer and he has this really nice home right in the heart of downtown. So we did it there. But then we also do private chefs. Uh, that cook really just nice meals, um, appetizers, the uh, main course meals and desserts. Uh, the chef that we had, one of the chefs that we had last time, she's an executive chef to millionaires and billionaires. Um, one of the people that she serves is Gerald Ford, who's a billionaire here in, in Texas and is a donor to uh, SMU. But and we had some other chefs there. Um, we have bartenders. We have a photographer. We have a videographer. 
and the videography is mostly for marketing purposes, but it's just this really cool event. Um, and we just had the full gamut of entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, um, a friend last time that came, he is um, formerly a venture capitalist to millionaires and billionaires, helping to raise funds, grow businesses. And now he just launched his own book in Barnes & Noble um, four weeks ago in Barnes & Noble and Amazon. So he's opening up his own. Um, another friend that flew in from California, and he's working on virtual reality education with uh, some of the universities out there and just helping them to develop virtual reality applications to do education, to teach in the classroom and, and further building. Um, another, you know, friends that own multiple companies are serial entrepreneurs all the way down to people who are just starting out in business. Um, a friend of mine who he wants to start a bakery and he didn't know where to start with the business plan or how to do marketing. And so he's attending. So you have this full the full gamut of entrepreneurs, but you have all these different perspectives and everybody contributes. You know, it's not, it's not one of those stuffy atmospheres where, you know, you go to a nice event and everybody's stuffy. This is super laid back. I mean, but it's just good people trying to do good things. You know I mean? If you have good people that come, then good things result from that and, and good ideas flow. So, uh, we do, the dinners, um, each person, we literally have it so that each person sits in a circle or stands in a circle, rather, and they get to talk about their business, what their biggest challenge or hurdle in business is, and then how they can help other people. So everybody who comes talks, and you get to find who it is that, you know, hey, this person does marketing or digital marketing. I need help with digital marketing, so I know I can talk to this individual. You got You get a sense of what everybody's strengths are, but as well as how you can help them out. So it's really a reciprocal environment. Um, so we do that. You know, we sit down. We have these really nice meals. Um, and then dessert, of course. And then um, at the end, we also do prize giveaways. And so the last dinner we attended, um, my friend that flew in from California, he decided to give everybody free virtual reality headgear, which is pretty wow. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a pretty awesome gift. Like, he just gave it away to everybody. Um, the one before... Yeah, it was yeah, it was sick. And, and the one before that, um, a friend of mine who started a financial firm, he gave away a free financial plan, which is, you know, thousands or, you know, $1,000 plus. Usually, he just gave it away. So it's like that giving environment, and it's really cool. Um, but then also, in addition to that, we do, it's kind of like a Shark Tank style thing where one entrepreneur has the opportunity to present their biggest challenge or hurdle in front of the entire group of entrepreneurs, and we try to solve their pain point right then and there. And cool. yeah, that, that part's fun. And it's, it's either through collective connections, like, hey, um, Matt knows somebody who um, can solve this for you or can, you know, put you in contact with someone who can provide a service for you that will fill that or just through our experience we'll give our feedback and say you know what you need assistance with trying to organize things well hey i know there's great software solution uh that can do just that and can prioritize things for you so it's yeah it's just a, a really cool event man <laughs> that's well that's the power of of the network like we held that mastermind group down here and we all got to Go around the table and, and talk freely and openly in a safe environment. Uh, 
about what was going on in each of our businesses, and that was that was fantastic. And I'm just sitting here thinking, oh man, Robert's in Dallas. I, I need to uh, I need to introduce you to a friend of mine, Blake Bishore. Blake is a, a chef and an author, and he lived in Dallas for a long time. He won a James Beard Award, so he's a really big deal, and he has a book called Notes from a Kitchen. Notes from a Kitchen, I think it's called, or Notes of, from a Chef, I can't remember which. Anyway, uh, he has he had a really nice place in Dallas to host events, and uh, he is also very well connected in the entrepreneur space, as well as a, a world-renowned chef. Uh, and he's, shit, I don't know how old he is, 30, 31, something like that. So I'll have to, I'll have to connect you to I'm pretty sure he lives in Denver right now. But uh, yeah, as you know, as you start talking about this and how excited you are about uh, your, you know, this project that you're working on, well, I'm thinking, oh, who could help? Who could uh, right. who could add value? And that's the environment that you're trying to create. So uh, I like what you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And and I'd love to meet Blake for sure. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's like when you have a connection with somebody. And it's a genuine connection. You want to help them. That's just right. natural default mode. And that's Matt. That's that's me, Daniel. You mentioned that's that's any of us. And the problem is that when you go to certain events, you're not able to form that connection because the environment's not right for it. Like you may just have a bunch of people who aren't interested in forming that connection. All they want to do is sell, 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 or they have ulterior motives. Um. Or maybe you just don't have the time. You just don't have the time to form that connection. And that's part of the reason why I'm so excited about Entrepreneur's Dinner is because we're making it intimate. We're bringing back that intimacy and forming that connection. And it's it's like bringing back genuine care to meeting potential business associates or friends. I mean... That's like the main thing that's missing from so many networking events. And that's why we had such a good time out there in Costa Rica is because the people that we didn't know, we formed connections with. We formed relationships. We went surfing. And then, you know, we went and grabbed food. And then we're talking about businesses. We formed that relationship over time. What I'm doing with Entrepreneur's Dinner is I'm significantly cutting down that time to form that connection. And people are literally building companies together after attending one dinner. It's fucking crazy. Like... I don't. I didn't know that until I started speaking with some of these people. You know, some of them are friends. Some of them are just people I've I've met, and I'll come talk to them, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm glad you had Entrepreneurs Den and you introduced me to Mike. Mike helped me out with my Facebook ads." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, you told me you was good with Facebook advertising. You actually set up all my Facebook ads, and now, you know, I'm running Facebook ads for my my cleaning business." Or um, a girl named Courtney. She's in real estate and. Like one of the coolest things I heard, she said that, so she works in real estate development with her father, and she said she was talking to her dad, and, you know, she was talking about the stuff she wanted to do for the company, her dad was like, this is it. This is the moment I've been waiting on. She was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he goes, you're finally there. I've been waiting this entire time for you to want to take over the business, and I don't know what's changed, but I see it. I see it in your eyes. I see that you're ready to do this. And it was just after one of our dinners. Like, just that wow. environment. Yeah, dude. That that was that was oh, that was so cool. She told me that. But it's just that environment, man. 
just like what you're talking about, being in an environment with people that you care about, that you connect with, that are good people, and, you know, you naturally want to give and help other people. So um, I just, I've had so many stories just in this early time that I know that this is something that needs to be done. And the crazy thing about it, man, is that this was never intended on being a business. The only reason why I did this, I did a, I did a Facebook uh, status where I sent it out to my friends. I said, Hey, I'm thinking about putting together a dinner uh, for entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, bloggers, et cetera, in Dallas. If I did this, would you be interested? And over a hundred people ended up responding. And it wasn't just people from Dallas. It was people from Houston and Austin in LA and Las Vegas and Miami and New York and other places. And all these people were talking about coming. And the first dinner we did, I just wanted to infuse that same personality of like practical idealists and that idea of giving first. Because um, I see so many people that are trying to take first and be selfish. And after that dinner, man, the first question that was asked is when's the next one? And so. I was like, all right, well, yeah, I guess we'll put together the next one and end up putting together another one. And people love that. I mean, people literally started businesses together as a result of that. So it's it's kind of one of those things where I feel like if if I can remain true to giving first, then it's going to be successful regardless because so many other people are trying to take first. And if we can just give first and actually give a shit about helping other people, then it's going to be successful regardless. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, you know our story with under 30 experiences. I literally, this is how the, these are how the best businesses started. Start yep. when they're actually helpful to people, when they actually fulfill a need, when there is a pain point in people's lives, and it's really easy for them to sign up for whatever you're asking or buy whatever your product is. Because I just did a Facebook post and I said, "All right, I want to go to ice. I want to go to Iceland." who's in and guess what our story has not changed what did i just do <laughs> yesterday i just launched our inca trail under 30 experiences is going on the inca trail the four day three night hike etc all the way to machu picchu and i posted that as my facebook status because i want to keep that i want to keep you know first preference to friends and family and, and alumni people i've traveled with before and what happened? We sold that out. We sold the trip out in less than 24 hours. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And that's proof. That's when you go to some of these uh, lean startup events. And, and if, if our listeners don't know about lean startup, definitely check out these, these events. And they're all about proof of concept. And what's the per proof of concept? They, act, they literally, they have shirts that say, get out of the building. And don't, don't just sit around and talk about your business ideas. Go out there and try to sell it to someone on the street and see if yeah. they will pay. And if they will, then you got a solid idea. So that's my, that's my two cents on that. But, Robert, I want to ask you, how do you weed out the, as I mentioned, the copy, copy machine salespeople? No, no, no offense to any copy yeah. uh, salespeople out there, but... I actually had that as an example because I've been given, I've gone to several networking events and in New York, I always would go to the networking events and three quarters of them sucked. So how do you weed out the good from the bad? How do you attract it? Thinking bitter, bigger picture, stuff that we're gonna look into a little bit later in our conversations, how do you attract good people into your life? 
Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome question, man. So on the, the micro in terms of attracting people to these events, <clears throat> um, you know, like you said, no offense to, uh, you said copy people or uh, multi-level marketers. There's some good multi-level marketing companies, but a lot of them are uh, kind of make people feel a certain way and just not, you know, yeah, this it is what it is. But like less multi-level marketing people and, and insurance salesmen. The way that I do that right now is because I curate the type of people that come. And what I mean by that is um, each person that attends is required to fill out an application in order to be eligible to attend one of the dinners. So I, I send out an application. I ask a few questions, including what their business or project is. Um, you know, what their biggest challenge or hurdle is, how can they help other people, uh, where are they at in their business, you know, those type of questions. And after that, once I receive that, I actually have a phone call with each and every person that applies. Um, and that's a lot of time that goes into it. But the reason for that is because I want to make sure that we prioritize high character over high net worth. Uh, so I want to make sure that we have good people there. Like I, I can give two shits if the type of – I can give two shits if a person comes and they're not super successful in their business. But if you're a good person, then I want you to come. You know, like good things are going to result from that. And everybody's on different playing fields in terms of their experience. So I just have these phone conversations and I talk a little bit about Entrepreneur's Dinner, how it started, what we're looking for, and – you know, how we're looking for that gift first mentality. But more importantly, I just ask them questions and I talk to them about themselves. What are they up to? Why, why did they pick a certain project? Um, how long have they been pursuing it? Why are they in business? Um, what's their background? And I just get a sense. And I honestly just move off the intuition. And if it sounds like they're interested and likewise, I think they'd be a good fit, then I move them to the next stage in the process, which is basically an invitation to a private group where they start getting updates about the upcoming dinner uh, that we'll be hosting. So from the micro perspective, that's kind of how, at least right now, I get good caliber and quality people that come to these dinners. Um, really is focusing on good people because the moment that you let in a copy person or a person who's just extremely selfish and is just looking out for themselves – it poisons the entire environment, and you need to have a good environment. Now, from a macro perspective of how do I attract good people into my life, I think the same things ring true, man. I mean, it's curating the right type of people, right? I mean, it's making sure that the type of people that you invest time into and that you are around are good human beings. They challenge you. They, It's not so much that they're better than you in certain areas, although that's important, but there's certain areas that you can learn from them from. Um, like you, Matt, um, you know, I remember, jeez, dude, years ago, um, when was it, man? Probably 2000, maybe 2010, 2011-ish, when I came across Under 30 CEO. I used to read the blog, like, every day, you know, and I'd, awesome. I'd read about yeah, dude. I used to read about the. I used to read the blog every day. Read about what you guys were up to, and years later, now I'm chatting with you on your podcast. The reason why is because I identified you as someone who knew more about the place that I want to be, and 
as I started conversing with you and we had email exchanges, was went to uh, finally an in-person meeting. And what I meant, it confirmed what I had known of you from our interactions, which is that you're a good dude. You, you know your shit. Um, you're in a business, but more important than business, you want to be a good person that gives back and you want to see your community in Costa Rica um, become better as a result of you being there. And you want to make sure you're connecting people. You want to connect, you know, we're doing a podcast interview right now and you're already talking about connecting me with a friend of yours. So that, that same thinking applies where you just want to make sure you have good people around you and the rest of it kind of works itself out. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough about, I read the stuff that you wrote for under 30 CEO. I mean, you're, you were, you had a post, right? I believe it was depression effing sucks and five things to do about it. And you're telling all these people, we had a half a million readers a month on under 30 CEO and you're telling them how to snap out of their depression. And uh, I mean, that's, there was no money in that for you. You know what I mean? You were just straight up trying to be a good person and speak about your experiences. And that was the whole behind your post, I believe uh, it's it's been a while since I've read that particular one, but it was about vulnerability and it was about, hey, share your experiences with depression because not everybody knows that you can't just snap out of it uh, because, oh, just feel better or smile or be more grateful. That's that's just That just doesn't work. Uh, it, it could be a small part of the, the puzzle, but um, Robert, I wanted to ask you about something that you said and that was intuition. So I was hoping, I know uh, we can chat about meditation at, at some point, um, maybe a little further down the line, but I wanted to ask you about intuition, and I'm sure you've been able to develop that a lot, or, or at least in part, through your meditation practice, but what, just for a, a primer for people, you meet somebody, and I'll get you started, you, you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach that says, no, no, this is not the per this is not the person. And that's a different feeling from you show up on a first date and you feel fear, right? That is also a stomach in your, uh, uh, pain in your stomach often, but that's a little bit different. Can you walk people through intuition and how they might be able to develop it? Man, that's a great question. Um, I can do my best. I think Intuition naturally is one of those things that it's different for everybody. We can refer to it by the same name, but how one operates with intuition is vastly different for each person. So for me, intuition is extremely important. I mean, much, if not all, but definitely the vast majority of good things that have happened in my life have been as a result of intuition. Um, even Entrepreneur's Dinner People were telling me, no, you're working on practical idealists. Don't do it. Don't do a dinner. You got to focus. I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to do this dinner. And now I have what may be one of, if not the most successful businesses that I'll be launching um, because I followed my intuition. So intuition is just one of those things where, um, and I apologize. Someone just, someone just called my name in the background, but, um, Intuition, I think, it is a feeling. Like it's when you meet somebody, 
Um, there's certain, I won't say sensations, but there's certain um, indicators that you feel as a result of meeting and speaking with people and, and just certain ideas. So um, if meeting somebody for the first time, for example, um, when I have conversations, I like to ask a lot of questions. And part of that is because I just want to kind of understand who the other person is. And based upon the responses, I get a feel for the type of person that they are, you know, based upon what they're responding uh, to, how they're responding to it, what their answers are, et cetera. And, and people generally like talking about themselves. It's probably why you're able to get so many people on these podcasts and why other people could get other people on the podcast because people like talking about themselves. But it's a good way to get an idea of who someone is, asking just questions um, and really listening to what the responses are and asking more contextual questions. The type of feelings that I get and that I respond to is really just if I feel someone's genuine and compassionate, then I typically push them more into that bucket of someone who I definitely want to become friends with. Now, I don't recall who it is that said this. I want to say it was Bill Clinton. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was, but it was Bill Clinton was talking about making friends with people, and, and someone told him that there's something to like about everybody. And I think that's absolutely true. It doesn't matter who it is. There's something to like about a person. So often I try to ask questions to people uh, to find out what, they're, what they find valuable, what they value in their life. And then when you ask those questions, you find out what it is that people value, then they light up. They're completely different than if you're just talking about, well, what do you do? You know, what's, what's your job and stuff like that. So asking those questions and seeing them light up, they get into a different state. And then you can really just kind of, you know, when you feel certain vibes, like maybe, like you said, in the pit of your stomach, you may feel fear if you're on a first date and um, you're trying to go in for a kiss or something and, and they may try to reject you and then you feel that that, bit of, that that pit of fear in your stomach. That's a different one than if you feel something in your heart where it's like, man, I don't, I don't know if this is the type of person I want to fill my life with and maybe they're a good person. I'm not going to judge them, but um, it's just maybe not someone who I want to seek to fill my time with. So, yeah, um, I don't know. That, honestly, I don't know that I answered your question, but I think that the, the intuition process is vastly different for each individual. But one way to kind of be able to determine whether or not you, you um, connect with somebody is by asking them questions and getting them to a state where they light up about something that they, they find valuable, whether it be their children, their job, um, their family, their, you know, projects they're working on, their business, and, and seeing how they respond to that, and then seeing how you respond to them lighting up, talking about what it is that they enjoy. That, that's really valuable insight, and regardless of what the actual, I guess it was how, to, what's your process for, for intuition, regardless of what the question was originally that no that provides a lot of uh yeah really thoughtful thoughtful insights and i'm glad that you brought up bill clinton there is an excellent post by tim ferris on his blog uh, called uh, bill clinton's reality distortion field charisma 
and it's basically about the dude's aura and he's a big tall guy and he's very handsy and he's very famous for that and uh, maybe a little too famous for that as we all know but he has this aura about him and the people around him are, are kind of mystified and uh, he has this really I don't want to call it good energy, right? Because I've never felt it before, but yeah. people really, uh, when they talk about Bill Clinton, they're like, wow, he was, uh, you get starstruck by the man as, as I understand. So if anybody's interested in that, it's called uh, the reality distortion fields is, is what you should search for and, and search Bill Clinton. Um, Robert, could you talk a little bit more about listening because this podcast has helped me tremendously, A, by asking questions. I love to be naturally inquisitive, but also it helps me listen. And this is why I don't just have, uh, this is why I don't like interview style things because I wanna have a chat with somebody and be able to listen to what they're saying and be present, right? Which is, I, I know a thing that's real, very important to you. Mm -hmm. And most interview are just trying to think about the next question that they are going to ask to keep right. the interview moving. But no, yeah. I don't care if we have an awkward silence. We're friends, right? <laughs> and so uh, anyway, I think you are a fantastic listener. Could you tell me a little bit more about uh, how one could develop their listening skills or how you were able to do that? Because, I mean, if you want to listen to your intuition, you're doing more than just putting the phone to your ear. You're listening with much more than your ears. I'll just say that. Yeah, absolutely. So if my mom listens to this, she'll kind of crack about this, but my mom taught me the most about listening. And the reason why is because growing up, she would just treat me like an adult. Like I was a seven, seven year old kid and we were having these adult conversations just about stuff that she was going through in her life and her relationship and just all sorts of stuff. So at that time I had to listen, but I also had to provide reasonable insight, you know, I mean, sometimes listening is just listening. It's not what you respond with. Just like in the example you provided, how many interviewers are waiting to insert their next question or provide that next segue. Sometimes it's just being present and just listening and, and making sure someone feels like they're heard. Um, but the process of listening itself, I think begins with being present and ensuring that your mind is clear and free from distractions outside of the person to whom you're speaking with and ensuring that they have the forefront of your attention and you're giving them the space to, to speak and to be heard. And then from working from that point of being present, I mean, listening with your ears and actually hearing what they're saying, but then listening to how they're saying it, you know, um, again, with intuition, you can, I don't know, I can do this. I, I, I know you can, Matt, and I, I feel like majority of people can because we have these really good bullshit meters. Um, sure. And there's. You know, a lot of you want to get scientific. You know, we have these things called mirror neurons in our in our brains, which allow us to essentially to feel what other people um, are doing. You know, we can 
they basically act as mimickers. They mimic what a person is doing. And you don't have to see a person. You can just hear them. You can speak to them. And these mirror neurons in our brain um, give us sort of the vibration or the activity of the person who to whom we're speaking with. So we have these insane bullshit detectors that allow us to feel if someone's being genuine or dishonest. But by clearing out that space and being present and then actually listening with your ears, you allow yourself to activate those mirror neurons and other things where we can tell how a person is saying certain things and you can hear distress in their voice or concern or excitement and, and, um, ecstasy, you know, and being able to respond appropriately is hugely comforting and just, you know, letting someone understand that, you know, where they're coming from, you know, if they're sad and just, you may not have the answer for it, but just letting them know, man, it's, I, it sounds like this is really troubling you right now. And I'm sorry to hear that. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm here for you. You know, that, that goes so far. It goes so far with the, in a place where it's so easy to give advice, but people are just not willing to actually listen and, and to take that advice. Um, so yeah, I think, I think being present and, and clearing your mind from distraction and, and, um, listening both with your, your ears, but your heart and your mind, and then trying to provide reasonable feedback if you have the capability of doing that is um, immensely valuable. And that's, that's an awesome response. And uh, I was on Practical Idealist earlier, your blog, practicalidealist.net, and there was a quote that I'm trying to look up at the moment. Okay, I, I did. I found the quote. It was from a Buddhist monk, uh, one who I've read several books from, Thich Nhat Hanh. And yeah. he says, the quality of our presence is the element with the most positive contribution to the world. I'm going to read it one more time because it's a little heady. The quality of our presence is the element with the most positive contribution to the world. Could you talk about that and talk about how you learned to be present? Yeah, that is heavy. And Thich Nhat Hanh is, I've read several books from him too and continue to learn so much from him about mindfulness and, and other practices, but I think in essence, what he's saying is that just being there and like actually being there with somebody in the most granular perspective is the best offering that you can give to another human being providing, especially today, man, like where our attention is being driven, darted and diverted in so many ways from social media, billboard, advertising, television, gossip, all these things try to capture our attention because our attention means dollars. It, you know, it's where people make money. But by giving someone the gift of your attention, that's the best thing that you can do for another person. I mean, that's, that's the gift of being present. That's the gift of listening. That's the gift of interacting, of loving, of being compassionate, of being a friend, of being a mentor, of being a husband, father, daughter, son, um, 
yeah, just, you know, just a conversation means so much to people. Kind of getting a little bit off track, but it's similar. Um, Years ago, I did a practice where I tried to reverse engineer in a way what I felt was the most important thing I could do or the most important thing that I, I found in the world. And it's been so many years, man, since I did this, but basically I looked at things and I found that for me, and I think it's true for a lot of people, but the most important thing that is going to last beyond me, it's not going to be my business or businesses. It's not going to be the money I've made. It's not going to be even the money I've given, but it's going to be the quality of my relationships. And the reason why I say that, Matt, is because when we're gone and when all things are gone, you know, if there's nothing left, I mean, really fast forwarding in time, if there's nothing left, there's no, you know, uh, I'll give an example. It's, it's you know, the, the crazy regime in Cambodia, the Khmer regime that murdered millions of people, or even more popular, uh, the Nazi regime that murdered, you know, six million Jews and six million other ethnic backgrounds, but they also burned books, they burned buildings, they, you know, they, they tried to destroy histories. If something like that were to happen to a nation or a country or a city, um, which is really possible um, if you look at just human, um, just how humans operate and, and our, our desire to destroy and kill, but if all that goes away, the thing that remains is the quality of the relationships that we had. Like, there's another quote that says, it's not, and I'm going to butcher this, but it's not what you said or what you did that we remember most, but how you made a person feel. And the reason for that is because the relationship that you have with somebody, that has a lasting impact on not just them, but other people. Us being kind to one individual is going to have a butterfly effect to where that person will be kind to somebody else and on down the road. So that when I'm with my nieces, my identical twin nieces who are just awesome human beings and I'm trying to teach them things and and learn with them, the best gift that I'm going to have for them is by developing a great relationship with them because that's going to end up passing on to their boyfriends who eventually is going to be their husband, who's eventually going to be the father to their children, and they're going to pass that down, down to their children. And then what they pass down to their children is going to be passed down to their children as the grandparents are going to still imbibe their grandchildren with that same kindness, that same love and developing a relationship, and that never ends. I mean, until, you know, we as a people decease, that that never ends, that relationship, that that presence, that, that contribution of being there as a person, back to the original quote, that's why that's so important, is because when you're just a, a human being and you give someone your attention and it's positive, that ultimately is the biggest contribution that you can make. So fuck, you know, fuck the idea of, you know, money and and all these things. I mean, it's important. It's necessary. Absolutely. But really dig deeper and think about what it is that's going to provide that ultimate impact. And I think it's how we treat each other with intention. That is really cool. And I really appreciate how you were able to talk about how your presence 
right, today, in this life, in this moment, will affect someone else and how they will be able to continue to pay forward for hundreds of years, for generations, that same positive energy. That is, uh, that is a big picture thoughts that I had never heard it explained quite that way, or I'd never quite uh, been able to, to, yeah, to put, to put my finger on, on what you just said. So I, I really appreciate that. And um, I, I got to tell you, since talking to you, you know, I, I mentioned before that uh, I had a long week, I've, I've had a stressful day. And, uh, you know, lots of urgency, less stress, and, and uh, quote-unquote emergencies, things that you think are emergencies but probably aren't. And the most stress, of course, comes from urgency. But honestly, Robert, just talking to you today, I've noticed I've been able to slow down and pause between my words. And when I first spoke with you, I was like, I actually asked you, it was before we were talking about, hey, how do you want me to introduce you, et cetera? Do I get, did I get this all right? And you paused. And I said, hey, you still there? And you said, yeah, I'm just thinking. And you don't see that in today's, you don't see that presence in today's world because you, you don't have time for those pauses because you're getting a, a SMS notification. You're getting another <laughs> Facebook update. You're getting another uh, banner ad slapped in your face. Your brain is literally being trained. You talk about mirror neurons, which is, which is such a cool uh, scientific concept to back up all of the stuff that we're, we're talking about. You know, you're literally, these computers, right, and the... the People behind them are rewiring our brains to have yep. less of an attention span. To literally, like, the neural pathways are firing differently because of all of the fast changes. Flash, flash, flash. This is why. This is why kids, you know, have seizures watching video games because it's too much. It's just too much, and. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to say that I really appreciate your presence during this conversation, and you've been able to help me slow down a little bit and maybe take a breath in between words, and I wanted to ask how you felt uh, that you were able to stay so zen uh, or so from the surface, right? You, you seem very mm -hmm. zen, and you have this calming effect on people and, and just chatting with you now for a half an hour i feel a lot better and that Love presence it. i'm gonna pay forward to the next person i see during my day and uh that man that's that's mission accomplished right there that's 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 really awesome so i, I wanted to just ask you a little bit more about uh how you're able to do that that's dope man you brought a huge smile to my face by the way <laughs> you really did uh, just yeah, saying that because no, I really appreciate it. I, I can feel that. I'm and I'm in yeah. tune with these things. Yep, absolutely, dude. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's like if teach if teach not Han said that, then that's kind of like the ultimate compliment that you can receive. Um, but that's the truth, man. Like when you when you speak with someone who is present, and I know this because I have a friend of mine named Raman who's very similar. I get more calm when I'm around him. 
and he just has that soothing influence and you know that that's just a cool vibe to give off real quickly before i i I speak to that because i want to i want to also paint the other picture because i talked about positivity and you know being kind and all that stuff and that's cool because that's what you should do but there's an opposite side too and you know i brought up the example of hitler i mean think about this hitler killed Hitler was responsible, his regime was responsible for killing roughly 12 million people. And there, you know, people debate that number. It, maybe it's too low, too high. But when you think about that, when you think about the impact that one person has and that idea that the relationships you have is the most important, think about how many potential leaders he killed. People who would have changed the world had they had the opportunity to live beyond the time that their life was shortened by that regime. Think about how many mothers were murdered, how many sons or daughters didn't have the chance to grow up and live. And think about how many relationships were impacted negatively as a result of that. Like how many people, how many grandmothers didn't have the opportunity to teach their grandchildren the valuable lesson, the one vital lesson that could have helped them to grow up to be you know, a complete human being or, or feel like there's less of a pit hole missing in their lives. And so, yeah, it may feel like an extreme example, but just think about the one moments that we, the, the moment that we have in our, in our life that when we are negative or just like really brutal to other people, how that takes away from that, that, that influence, that circle, that butterfly effect and the actual cause it has. So it's not just that one that one moment of, you know, telling someone that they're an asshole and they should never, you know, try out for the basketball team because they won't make it. That one comment has just such a long reverberation because that comment has affected that person and that person's going to affect somebody else and that other person's going to affect somebody else. So it's cool to think about the positive side, but it's also necessary to be aware of the negative influence that we have on other people as well. Um, so I had to kind of put that in, into perspective as well, but let me see if I can answer your question. Um, so, it, and tell me if I was wrong, but you said that, um, you're asking me how, well, actually I'll just, I'll, sorry, I'll allow you to re-ask the question. I believe my question is how did you learn to be so present? Okay. All right. Cool. So, um, it's a two part and I'm going to get into meditation if you're down with that. Cause I, I couldn't wait to get into that portion of our discussion. No, absolutely. I've been, I've been, <laughs> bit, we've been inching towards yeah, the subject man. and, uh, I'm glad we're getting into it. So, so take cool. it away. However you want to address the question and, and we lined it up for people. We, we have, painted this picture like two Picassos here <laughs> and so now yeah now we can talk about the the meat we can talk about the practice we can talk about how to get there definitely man yeah so part of it honestly is um like Gary V says DNA like part of it is honestly just who I am I was I think I was born that way I'm definitely a lot calmer by nature than many other people are um just in natural environments that cause chaos, my I, I honestly feel like my blood rate or excuse me, my heart rate lowers. Like I just I just focus, I, I calm down. So I think part of that is just 
natural, just who I am, um, God-given or just birthed that way. But a good portion of that is my meditation practice. And, dude, there's nothing that I can be more excited to share with other people about than meditation, and particularly the practice that I have, because it changed my life for the better. Like, meditation is the best gift that I've received in my life, along with good health and a great family. Like, it's that important to me. Like, it, it has changed my life and it's for the better. But meditation has helped me with that. And the practice of meditation, of practicing mindfulness, of practicing observing thoughts and not being attached to them. And I want to try and get away from like the, the philosophical. I can definitely do that. I can, I can talk about that, but I kind of want to see if I can get away from that. But it's really just like moving away from being attached to these ideas of who we are and, you know, the stuff that bothers us. But wouldn't it be helpful if when you got mad, instead of being stuck and being mad and being pissed off at your boyfriend or girlfriend for not arriving at the movie at the right time, you could be aware of that and like observe it and reduce the amount of time that you're normally angry for. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a rhetorical question. No need to answer. Sign but, me up. Sign me up. Yeah, I'm right. just being, I'm just practicing listening right now. And, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but sign me up. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what meditation helps with. It's just that idea of observing emotions, ideas in your head, responses, and then rather than being attached to them and swimming in them, it's detaching from them. It's not making that consume you. And it's really valuable practice for for many reasons, but especially for being observant and, and following intuition. Real quickly with the science of it, the science of meditation is such that people who practice meditation are, on average, if you practice meditation for seven years, for example, you're on average 10 years younger than your counterparts who don't practice meditation. Yeah, you Also sign me up. Yes. Yeah. The and, and by the way, I think the listeners know that I've been signed up for a while. Yeah, so no doubt. Keep, keep, doubt. keep going. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and, and meditation helps to lower, um, you know, um, well, it helps to increase gray matter in the brain, which is responsible for memory. Um, helps to create new neural pathways, which allow you to be more compassionate. I mean, literally, when they look at brain scans, it you'll see areas where of your brain where you're responsible for compassion and loving, and they'll see that there's more activity in that area of the brain. Um, I mean, just so much, man. So many health benefits as a result of meditation, but then also the, the intangibles of like being able to get a better sense of your intuition and being able to follow that and so yeah, just the, the practice of meditation itself, and we can we can talk about you know the practice if we want, but just the practice of meditation itself, of me observing thoughts and just taking it, you know, right now I do 20 minutes. Right now I really do less than that, dude. Um, but what I had been doing 
was 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening, trying to do that every day. And I did that for a couple of years. And at the most, I was doing an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening and doing that over a period of time. Now I'm doing less than that. But that practice of meditation is uh, hugely beneficial in terms of just being present and being able to take that time to think and to give thoughtful responses and just, you know, and, and productivity increases and uh, capacity to utilize your brain increases and just a bunch of stuff. Man, the capacity, I, I can't say enough about that and how all of a sudden you feel like you can just handle so much more yeah. because you're not pissed off about the stuff. You're able to let go all the other stuff or, or whatever happens you let it be okay, and everything is everything is fine. It's you know you you stop judging good. You stop judging so much good and bad, and okay, it just is. This is just the way it is, and we're gonna have to, well, whatever action needs to be taken, that's fine. But that's in the future, and right now is now, and there's no sense getting upset about it. And observe those thoughts that say. You want to be upset. Uh, so, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more about the, the load that you can carry. And you can start to, I want to be careful how I phrase this, but start to oh, carry the load a little bit for other people. And not a, I'm not saying that you should uh, bring other people's problems into your life, right? That's that's not what I'm saying. Or try to try to help someone or fix someone or anything. That's totally not what I'm saying. Some people describe it as holding space, uh, mm-hmm. but just being present for somebody else and let them <laughs> and letting them do the the work, right? But yeah, then you can have all this time. So on a stressful day, when someone comes to you and they have an issue in their life you can be less selfish and you can have the capacity, as you said, to be able to not necessarily help them. And I try to get away from that word help because people help others to pat themselves on the back for the most part, right? Uh, And there are certainly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There are certainly uh, people who give selflessly of course right but i try people to get away from to say that one more time robert oh sorry just people who are like actually benevolent yes but uh, benevolent right but yeah you just have the capacity to take on so much more and it's it's more work and sometimes it's more fun and sometimes it's uh more people who you can give positive energy too. And, uh, you know, it took me a really long time in my life to realize that I had to be much more fulfilled or okay with who I was or uh, just more happy in general, right, to be able to give to other people. And I didn't understand that for a very long time. There's a, a twisted thing out there that's very easily to a twisted concept where People say, yeah, you got to give to others to be happy, which I, I see where they're going with that. But if you're not okay, you can't, yep. you can't give to anybody else. It's like, the, it's like the glass of water, right? They always, you know, you hear it said so much, well, fill up your own cup. And then once you're f- fulfilled, then you can 
overflow and you know spread joy and compassion and whatever else above whatever other positive things positive vibes that you want to put out there in the world so i, I couldn't agree with you more there about uh about increased capacity through meditation that was a good point man um yeah, you reminded me of that because you're absolutely right. Like if your your attention is being diverted towards things outside of you, then it's difficult for you to be able to have reserves inside of you for someone else. Like you just – if your day is chaotic or you're unhappy or you just don't have the presence to be able to actually help somebody else um, or whatever, then you, you can't like – as much as you even want to, if you're just constantly being distracted or you don't have the capacity to be there for someone else, you can't do it. You know, I mean, it's just it's not possible. And meditation does help with that. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it. It, it gives you that. It, it's like clearing out a room. It's like if you're if you think of your brain as a bunch of different rooms and certain doors you want to unlock, you want to open so that you can have the, the full performance or the full capacity of that room. Meditation basically is like unlocking all the doors. It's like, you're like going around, like that. I like the noise. You're like going around, uh, you're like going around unlocking all the doors so that you can use that room. You can use that space. And the less space you have, the less that you can put in there to either help somebody out or to help yourself out. So that's Absolutely. a really, it's a good, that's a good, uh, um, good example, man. Good analogy. Well, I was going to say clearing out the cobwebs, but I like your, yeah. I like your sound, your sound effect <laughs> and popping open all the doors and, uh, making room up there for, for yeah. others. And, you know, it goes the same in relationships if, and with self-love, if you don't love yourself if you're if you're truly unhappy inside, well, then how are you going to to be happy with somebody else, or how are you going to have excess love to give to somebody else if you, if you can't take care of yourself? And uh, that's a it's a hard reality uh, in in this day and age, you know. For sure. And when the hell did unlocking doors sound like <laughs> like where did I come up with that that sound noise for that? That does not I sound like. A door I know lock. exactly where you where you came up with this. Uh, I read a fun fact about you, Robert, on your blog that you have watched The Matrix. I believe over oh it was either twenty seven or forty seven times. So right. I'm right, pretty dude. sure that's where you got that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that is. Uh... That was a bit excessive. Like, that was a lot of times to watch one movie. The worst part about it is, like, I walk away and I can't even, like, I couldn't even quote parts of that movie. I don't know if that's, like, a, a form of mental retardation that I have. Like, if you would imagine if you've seen the movie that many times, you can probably quote it. I can't. Like, another form of mental retardation that I have is I don't remember people's birth dates. And I just wrote about this on Facebook. I literally I read that. Dude, I, I, so I'm 29 years old right now, and I literally didn't remember my mom's birthday is September 28th. I literally could not remember. And I just, as a result of that, I found out that three of the most important people in my life all have their birthdays from September 28th to September 30th, my mom and then two of my best friends. 
But yeah, it's crazy. My dad, I didn't know his birthday. Honestly, I still don't know it. It's either in June or July, and it's like the eighth or the thirteenth. And <laughs> oh my god! I literally, I, 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 it's, it's crazy. My sisters is July seventh or ninth. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Well, maybe anyway, through your your meditation practice, you'll gain the capacity to remember some. I'll unlock that door. <laughs> I gotta. Yeah, seriously. I gotta vibe. I gotta vibe high enough to unlock that door. Yeah, I I guess I, I guess. Um, can can you tell us about your practice personally? And you don't have to walk through, you know, what you do when you sit down or lay down or or however you do it. But uh, I believe last time we spoke about this, uh, you were practicing vipassana meditation, and that you've been on retreats uh, up to, I think, 10 days, and, and you've done this several times, if not every year. Uh, so could you talk a little bit more about this? Because if it is Vipassana, if my memory serves me correctly, this is something that the listeners can, can get into. It's easy to find these retreats and uh, yeah. just sign up to learn. So yeah, I'd love if you yeah. could address that. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. So the type of meditation that I practice is called Vipassana. And essentially what it is, is you go and for 10 days, you don't talk. You don't have access to the internet. You don't have your phones. And it's basically pure meditation. I haven't talked about it on my blog, even though people have asked me and I uh, get questions about it all the time. The reason is because I want people to experience it for themselves. But what I can say is it's one of the most challenging things that I've ever done in my life. And that's me saying this as um, you know, former college athlete and you know, um you know, do boxing and, and taekwondo and you know black belt and taekwondo and I've done all you know all sorts of other stuff. It's one of the most physically and mentally exhausting things I've ever done in my life. But it's also one of the most rewarding. And you wouldn't think of meditation as being physically exhausting at all, but it's because you're doing so much unlocking doors with your mind that your body isn't used to it and your body can get tired. And so it needs to regenerate. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's the 10 days is the first thing that you do as a new, uh, a beginner, you have to do 10 days. Um, it's really cool too, because you do 10 days, it's roughly 12 hours of meditation each day. You wake up at 4am and, you start meditation at 4.30, you meditate from 4.30 to 6.30, you have breakfast at 6.30 to 8 with rest time in between, and you go back to meditation. And so basically throughout the day up until about 9 o'clock, you're meditating. If you're not meditating, you're eating, drinking, or resting. And you do that for a period of 10 days. And then on the final day, you're able to talk as a way to assimilate yourself back into you know, uh, the environment of normal society where people talk and everything else. But I've never been to something where every single person is smiling at the end of it. Like I have with these meditation retreats, literally every person is smiling. Every person is happy at the end of it. And you have people from all different backgrounds, religions, races, you have, 
um, Christians, Hindu, Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, etc. I mean, black, white, Hispanic, etc. And everybody's smiling at the end of it, you know. And, and like you mentioned, I've I've been doing. Um, I started in 2011. It was my first 10-day meditation retreat, and I've been going to a 10-day meditation retreat every year since. So I think I've done six. Um, and then I've done several, like three day retreats and then many, many one day retreats. You can, after you go the first time you complete your first 10, then you can come back as what they call an old student and you can do shorter trips or shorter stays or retreats. But again, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's life altering and that's not setting high expectations. It, it, it just is like you attend one of these retreats and your life can be changed. Um, especially if it's something that it resonates with you and you decide, you know what, I want to continue with it. Not everybody does. Um, but for the people that do, you know, I think it has some really positive impacts. And of course, you know, with your own practice of meditation, some of the impacts it has, but, um, if people are interested, they can go to dhamma.org. And obviously I'm not getting paid or anything like that for it. I just, I honestly, there's nothing that I can, there's nothing that I recommend more highly than this, than meditation. So Dhamma, it's D-H-A-M-M-A.org if you are interested. And it's, again, it's 10 days, no talking. And it's not it's not a vacation for you know anybody who would think it's a vacation. It's, it's work. But man, at the end of that work, you just feel so much more clear in your mind. Damn, and we'll link up uh, dhamma.org and, yeah, links to the Vipassana retreats. And, and I want to keep it at that, like you said, so people just go and experience it. I mean, it could not have had a more strong uh, impact or, or on yourself or had a more strong recommendation come from you so that's yeah let, let's leave that at that and, and then I wanted to ask you about your integration or your reintegration so you can talk on the last day uh, you've done six uh, six 10-day retreats now so what's it like how does your life change going forward? How is it not having a cell phone for 10 days? I bet you almost, unless they've been on a Vipassana retreat, people listening right now, nobody's ever gone 10 days without a cell phone since I don't yeah. know how old people are listening, but since I was 15, right? I've had a cell phone stuck <laughs> to me since I was, since ninth grade for my, for my landscaping business. And uh, yeah, I haven't let go of the thing for a day or two. That's hard. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about your, your reintegration? Yeah. Um, so on the final day, they allow people to talk because naturally when you come back home or wherever it is that you live, you know, you're going to have people talking. A lot of people probably asking you about what it is. Um, and so they, it's just like a buffer, you know, it's um, that opportunity to kind of reintegrate back into your daily activities. There is a, a quote that says like once the mind has expanded and never regains its original dimensions. And that's sort of what 
my experience and a lot of people's experiences with meditation. It's that idea that once I've experienced this and I've, you know, going back to that metaphor of unlocking doors, like I've unlocked those doors, or I've increased that capacity. You never forget that, you know, you never forget that feeling. You never forget that experience. And so your reintegration is such that you're doing it with almost new eyes or like a new like power, like a new capability. And um, it's just different, you know. It's If it's something that you like, which a lot of people do, um, then it's something that you seek more of. You know, you seek more of that clarity. You seek more of that peace. You seek more of that presence and calm. And you try to balance that with everyday life. And like you said, this these people constantly trying to grab your attention and, you know, talk about meaningless shit or gossip or um, engage in activities that don't help you or just stuff that's just bad for you, just poison, you know? I mean, poison, poisonous language or just poisonous activities, you know, drugs and, you know, all this other stuff. So, and, and I'm not, you know, if you do drugs, I guess that's it's all on you. I'm not, I'm not saying one way or the other, but what I am saying is that as a result of it, you never, you don't forget what that was like. You know, you don't forget what having that, that increased capacity is like. So it's, it's different, man. Um, I can tell you a kind of an anecdote. I don't know if you're interested in this. It, it's kind of funny. Um, an anecdote of what my personal reintegration was like once I came home. You want me dude, to share? Dude, Kim, Kim Kardashian got robbed at gunpoint, I'm pretty sure, last week. So I was actually just going to hang up and, and click some of those articles. So, <laughs> no, of course I want to hear about your, your reintegration. That'd be, that'd be awesome. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm loving it. And I, I heard that I think like the, the show is like on pause or something because she wants to abstain from showing her wealth. Oh, I don't even know it. how I... Thank God. <laughs> Keep it large. Yeah, let's, not, let's not pass judgment right now on the Kardashians. Right. And no, tell me about yeah. your reintegration from, uh, from your 10-day Vipassana retreat. <laughs> yeah, man. So when I came back, um, I actually came back to a home where my parents... I was living at home at, at the time. I was right before I moved to Detroit, so I was in transition. And... I had come home and my parents were kind of like sitting on the couch waiting for me. And I was in this like really calm Zen vibe. You know, I just got back my first 10 day meditation retreat, just beautiful people, beautiful experience. I'm happy. Naturally, the first thing I want to do is share this. You know, you, you get something good in your life. You just want to share it, man. Like, and I come in and the first thing they're asking is like, Hey, Hey Rob, you still know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, right? And I was like, ah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess like what happened was they had the pastor at the church that they go to pray for me because they thought I was going to a Buddhist temple converting to become a Buddhist. Oh yeah. Dude, yeah. it was it was rough, man. Like so I was like, all right, well, look, I know you guys have questions. Let me sit down. I'll, I'll kind of answer those questions for you. Wrong fucking mistake. Wrong idea. I sat down with them, and I'm talking to them about it. And they're asking these questions. But a lot of them weren't really questions. They were more like statements. But <laughs> one was like, one was like, um, well, you know this was starting in a prison, right? 
And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think it was. And like, yeah, it was starting in a prison and that's how the meditation started. And, you know, later find out they're referring to Dhamma brothers. It was the practice of bringing meditation into prisons and ended up reducing violent crime and stuff, but which is awesome, but that's not how it started. And, you know, and they're, so they're just kind of like, you know, talking to me like, hey, you know, just want to make sure you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And we had the church pray for you. You're a Christian, right? You're not a Buddhist and like all stuff. And it's just it was overwhelming, man, to the point that I was like, look, I really want to answer these questions for you guys. But this is a lot. I, I hadn't talked in 10 days and you guys are kind of coming at me. So let's just talk another day. So I'm walking upstairs. Listen to this. I'm walking upstairs. and My nieces were upstairs. So they're. 15 now, so this would have been five years ago, so they were eight years old. Oh, man, horrible math. Great math. Great math. <laughs> horrible math, sorry, 10 years old. Um, so they were 10 years old, and I walk upstairs, and, like, they're trying to talk to me, and then my mom comes up, and my mom's going to hate this if she listens to this, but my mom comes up, and she's like, don't bother your Uncle Rob. He, he's been not talking for 10 days and he doesn't have time and he's not back into reality. Oh no. And that just crushed me, dude. Cause my nieces are the world to me. I love those girls. I helped to raise them. And hearing that, I was just like, man, that crushed me. The, you know, the woman who I, I love my mom so much. We have a great relationship. And she said that, like, that just fucking hurt, man. But um, we ended up chatting a little bit more, like for, for a while, I just kind of kept it to myself, the meditation that is, and I just kept practicing. But the cool thing about it, Matt, is years later, my mom wants to go. My mom wants to attend one of these meditation practices or these retreats because she saw how it impacted my life and the person I'm becoming and my guess is that she saw that meditation had this influence on me that was positive. And she was, you know, our family was dealing with some things and she wanted to go because she wanted the meditation practice to have that positive impact on her life. And that was like the ultimate circle for me, dude. Like she was like, you know, I know you, you do these meditation practices. When is it? You know, how can I go? Where can I get signed up? And I was just so fulfilled, man. I was so happy when she asked me that because, you know, that, that feeling, it doesn't, you don't forget, again, right? Like, you don't forget a feeling that's, that's huge in your life. So I never forgot that. But for her to ask about meditation and how I can get her involved, I was like, wow, that is, that's great. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I don't even know what to say after that. I have, of course, I, I could go on for a while on other uh, other questions, and and we keep going. But damn, if you wanna if you wanna end it at that, I mean, that's awesome. I don't know what you're doing for the next little bit. If you wanna keep chatting, I mean, that was that was killer. I appreciate that, man. Uh, it's it's up to you, bro. I'm I'm enjoying our conversation, so I'll let you let you decide. All right, let me ask you just a quick. Well, what one question that I had for you is, um, well, let me think about this for a second. Let me pause, like nice. I know that that you will allow. Nice. My my question is. Uh, regarding you know reintegration right and 
I used to have a lot of uh, reverse culture shock coming back into the States. And mm. I used to, you know, if you spend all this time in nature and then all of a sudden you get back into the flashing lights and uh, busy. It happens still when I go to New York uh, sometimes. But I actually noticed that my capacity increased for that over time. At first, I was like, oh, God, no, I, I, uh, I can't handle it, right? But then I realized that my capacity can, can handle busy cities and, and stuff like that, where before, when I first started my practice, I was like, oh, okay, I, I feel what silence is now. I feel what a calm, clear mind is. When I would go back to the city, it would stress me out, and it, it still does um, in some regards, but my capacity has uh, has really grown. So I guess what I wanted to ask you, that was just my, my commentary, but my question for you is, do you go through, uh, I guess my question is not do you go through ups and downs, but at some points I really feel connected to my meditation practice and I really, that really works for me. And sometimes I feel a little stale. Sometimes I feel a little bored with it. And uh, I'm sure that everybody goes through ups and downs, of course, but I'm curious how you deal with them and how you shake things up. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, I mean, most recently I went to another 10-day meditation retreat a few months ago. And... I came away from that one, as with each, with a completely unique experience. But this one I came away with, I was so balanced. And you've heard of, have you heard of flow before? Is this the book or, or yeah. is this the actual, I mean, I know what what flow is in the context that we're speaking. But yes, the, I saw that you mentioned this book on your blog also. Yeah, yeah. So flow, just really quickly about flow. Flow is a book. It's like a seminal book in psychology. It's basically the optimal optimal state. Man, I'm going to butcher this. It's like the optimal state or optimal experience of um, like happiness or basically being in the zone. So when athletes are, quote, in the zone, unquote, you know, they're focused and they're at a peak performance state, that's sort of what flow is. And this book kind of talks about how to get into that. Going back to my point, when I left that meditation retreat, I was basically in that state 24 seven. I've experienced that before. I've experienced that state before on for like multiple days, which is high for a lot of people. Like some people will talk about being in flow, you know, for hours, maybe, you know, whatever, maybe, a, maybe a couple days, maybe a week. I was like that for months, bro. For wow. months. Yes. For months when I left the last meditation retreat and man, I never experienced anything like it. Like I was, I was really, I could, if I would have wrote a Snapchat on some of the stuff I was going through at the time, like it had been like one of the most entertaining Snapchats. I mean, I was one of the last entrepreneurs dinner that I did. I was looking at potentially being sued because the rental comp the rental equipment company couldn't get the rental equipment back because 
the person wouldn't allow um, the rental equipment company to come into their home because his dog died and he wanted his dog to die in peace and they were threatening to sue him and file a theft of deception lawsuit and have Dallas PD come to his door and I was trying to prevent that, trying to do the right thing and I had a bunch of stuff going on, man. It, it would have really been an entertaining Snapchat or Facebook uh, post. Oh. But I dealt with it in such a calm way. Like, I was pr- I'm proud of myself, the way I dealt with all this stuff, man. And I'm not in that same state right now. So I mentioned that because there are absolutely points where you have highs, and that would be definitely considered a high. That was a point where I felt like I could walk into any room, and I feel I would be exactly myself, 100% myself, no you know, iterations, adulterations, or anything like that. I mean, just 100% myself and feel great about it. And right now, I don't. I don't always feel that way, you know. I mean, just natural us being human beings, man. We have insecurities, we have ups, downs. You know, for a few months I didn't have any of that, man. I was just I was zoned. I was doing great work too. Great like creative work, coming up with awesome ideas. Bro, it was it was great. Um but I'm not in that state right now. And so typically what I do, what I found to be great for me is probably three things. One is those meditation retreats. It's work. It's not easy. But there's a return to balance and what's most important in your life that is unparalleled from anything I've seen. The only thing that I could imagine would be paralleled would be, and I I kind of feel silly saying this, but would be like seeing someone die, like someone close to you, you know, like that, that realization of, man, this shit is finite. Like this, this life, this thing that we call life, it's short, man. And it's gone at any moment. And like, you can know that intellectually, but then when you see someone, you're a loved one, a grandparent maybe, or even a parent or something, you see someone die, that brings you back into that state right then, you know, and you're, you're back there. So those meditation retreats for me are a return to priority, return to what's most important, return to reality. So those are big for me. The second thing is travel. Um, getting away, there's, here's a nice plug for under 30 experiences, but getting away <laughs> to a place where I haven't been before, and it doesn't have to be a place where I haven't been before, but that's always kind of been my preference, but being to a place where I haven't been before and just being able to learn about a new culture, a new place, and experience things differently and for the first time is such a rejuvenator for the mind and for the body that when I come back to my place of work, my place of living, I feel different. I feel more powerful. I just feel like a, a almost like a better version of my, or maybe just a return to who I am, a return to the state of who I am. Uh, so travel, like when I went out to visit you in Costa Rica and we were bouncing those ideas off each other for business and we're just having a great time, we're surfing. When I came back from that, Man, I was riding high. I was working on projects. I'm helping other people. I mean, that for me, and I just got back from Austin. I went to Austin City Limits ACL Fest. I'm back in that zone right now, man. Like, I'm, I had a great weekend. So travel really kind of reinvigorates that energy within me. 
And I think the third thing is kind of focusing on like spirituality, positive, like positive thinking, positive words and just kind of those things. Like it's like a, a triangle almost. It's like positive thinking, positive words, um, visualization and, you know, meditation. Um, I think that, that kind of triangular of like kind of being in that circle. So that's like, you know, whether you care about these people or not, I, I don't really care. It's kind of up to you, but it's like, and I'm not speaking to you, man, I'm speaking to listeners, but it's like Tony Robbins and, uh, maybe Alan Watts and Earl Nightingale, Strangest Secret, and, um, you know, uh, maybe Brendan Bouchard is a, a new person, but those type of people that reinvigorate you and get you thinking positively, because the way that you speak to yourself really does matter. And getting back to returning to those positive self-talk, that self-conversation and visualizing the things that you want, that kind of helps me to snap out of that and return to back to to who I am. And then, and you know, honestly, I could put a fourth thing. Fourth thing sometimes for people is drugs, honestly. Like, I'm not, I don't advocate it, but, you know, sometimes someone just smoking uh, some weed or, like, having a night out and drinking or something, sometimes that works for some people. Um, definitely not for people who abuse it, but for other people who don't, sometimes it helps. Like, I, I have friends that do that, you know, they, they, they'll be zoned in, people in Silicon Valley, definitely, and in, in Wall Street. But people that just zone in on their work and they need a quick break, so they do something, you know, maybe they just go out for a drink and it doesn't have to be abusive. Maybe they go out for a couple of drinks and then they feel their back refreshed and then they're ready to work on it. So that's not the fourth one is not something that I do, but I've, I've heard or I, I know other people do it and that kind of helps them out. I would definitely prefer the first three um, the meditation retreats, the traveling and then that positive self-affirmation, self-talk and visualization. Well, I, I think to draw the link uh, between a, a lot of what you're talking about here is finding states, finding new states, right? Finding new states of presence, finding new states of being. Mm. And uh, I know personally, and I won't talk too much about travel, but look, you go to a new place and your senses, your brain is lit up. Your neural pathways are firing because you all of a sudden are smelling new smells. You're seeing new sights. You're hearing new music. You are just, just like what you said with, with just going to Austin and, and seeing ACL. You're seeing stuff that you've never seen before. You're hearing music live in person, feeling the energy of the crowd. Um, you're experiencing all of that, and that's another state of being. That's just breaking your rhythm. And I, I think when when you mention drugs, right? Um, I would uh, I would say, you know, well, for example, last night, right? Okay, I went out for a beer because I just needed to shake things up a little bit. I just needed to find a buddy and go surfing and go have mm -hmm. a beer after because. I just needed to, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think yeah. everybody can, I think a lot of people uh, can relate to just needing a beer sometimes, right? But uh, I, I believe that there are uh, 
a lot better way, a lot different. Everything has its purpose, right? And uh, certainly with alcohol, you got to be really careful about that. But again, you go and you go to a bar or to a club or you go to a party and you have fun and there's new energy and that's a change of, of state and I think that's really uh, that's really important whether uh, whether or not you're you're drinking uh, but there has been tremendous research on the use of psychedelics and, and that's the only yep. thing that I would say that people should look into um, you know and you, you mentioned smoking weed or, or cannabis as well there's been tremendous research in that field um, yep. yeah I would just be very careful about what you put in your body and the set and setting in which you do it uh, but yeah I, I, I understand uh, and I think that it's really about okay how can I look at things differently and um, that's look, Steve, you read Steve Jobs' biography, and, and he accredits so much of his creativity to his, his use of LSD, right? Yeah. And that expands your, your brain. I, I think it, it would expand your brain to a state where you don't forget like you said, and this can be achieved through meditation. This can be achieved through a lot of different things. The four that you just listed, um, but yeah, it's about it's about finding a new state of being. And and I guess that was my original question was, hey, Robert, how do you shake things up, or how would you suggest? What do you do when you're in a rut? And um, just to comment, man, I I completely hear you again about capacity, like you said. You were, you were just in this flow state for months on end after this meditation retreat. And I've had, I've had similar experiences and uh, mm. I happen to personally feel like I'm in a little bit of a rut right now. Uh, but look, yeah, I've had similar things where it's just like, wait, why am I okay with this? Why am I doing all right? I'm not supposed to, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be okay with some of the things that, uh, that I've, encountered um you know I, I was very careful not to say that have happened to me right uh mm -hmm. but yeah a lot of times in life there's some, just some shit where that you don't want to have to ever have to deal with and uh I, I completely agree with what you're saying how meditation practice can just allow you to to be at a state of being where everything's okay everything everything's cool so uh yeah, man, I've, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I have too, man. And, and real quickly, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you broke it down to its basic principle. It is about changing your state, your state of being. And, you know, whether that's through drugs or, you know, drugs meaning alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, LSD, shrooms, ecstasy, all that stuff, you know, that's just a change of state of being. And so is traveling because like you said i mean you're, you're constantly learning so you're in an environment where your neural pathways are being created your your neurons are constantly firing because you're in a new 
new um, a new place and time seems to go slower because you're constantly learning so you're constantly getting new experiences and that's a different state as well as meditation is absolutely a different state of being it's a state of different operating your operating system sometimes people say is enhanced and so a lot of people who are deep in meditation have no desire to do drugs because that it's like the opposite for them of what they want they're in a clean high they're on a natural high of just being you know and, and seeing the world as it is and um so yeah i think i think you absolutely hit the nail on the head with that but likewise man i i really did enjoy our conversation um you know like i said i mean i remember years ago where i was reading under 30 ceo and so to have the opportunity to chat with you over the phone like this and hopefully um help some other people out with our conversation our back and forth and our experiences is really cool but you know matt you're uh you you are and have been doing awesome things man so it's an honor to be able to chat with you on this level and definitely looking forward to more of what you're going to be doing hopefully some things that we can do together and um just kicking ass man and, and doing really things to to help other people so i appreciate you inviting me on to chat with you buddy hopefully we can do it again Thanks, man. I, I appreciate your contribution, and there's going to be a long list of resources listed after this podcast, including <laughs> entrepreneursdinner.com. That's plural, entrepreneursdinner.com, and then practicalidealist.net. And uh, yeah, Robert, I got to say, man, you have made my day so much better just from putting your your positive energy out there and uh and being present with me and and having that calm effect so i'm going to go and pay that forward to someone else awesome much appreciated my brother yeah you got it thank you yo live different podcast listeners you know what to do you love the episode if you listened this far go to itunes show us some love Please, that's all we ask, a little five-star review. Just a little review. That's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what? Special offer. Send me an email personally. I will write back. Matt at under30experiences.com. I want to know your feedback, and then I want to meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat, maybe our fitness retreat, who knows? Check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.